welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Well, it's Wednesday, April 28, 2021, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. And today we are joined again with, by Whitney White, and Whitney is interviewing today Ann Mara Hinton. And Ann Mara is the director of our Bridge Educational Services. And Bridge was a ministry that was begun at the uh, in 2018, but certainly grew and expanded and flourished in 2020. Bridge is a is a system to help families uh, be able to get the resources their school systems provide to help their children. It's also a tutoring network to help these kids get the tutoring that they need. And it's really designed uh, to help those kids that have experienced trauma, that may have learning differences, children that have come from hard places, and especially those kids that entered into our home through either foster care or adoption. And so I'm so excited for us to get to hear again from Ann Mara. She's certainly been on the Defender podcast, uh, but to also hear Dr. Rick set up this interview. And I know Dr. Rick uh, is such a proponent of education. Uh, you know, so many, so much of his doctorate went into education and, and thinking about how to reach the adolescent mind and, and how to reach those that, that have some sort of, of, of need. And so just excited for us to get to, to talk about this topic. But before we do hear from Dr. Rick to set up this interview, I want to remind you about parent coaching. Parent coaching is a service available for any parent who needs additional insight into their child's behavior. It's tailored to each family and to each child. These 45 to 60 minute sessions are filled with proven tools and techniques to use in building additional strengths in parenting. See our show notes or visit lifelinechild.org backslash parentcoaching. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash parentcoaching for more information and to be connected. Well, Dr. Rick, tell us a little bit more about what we can expect in hearing from Whitney and Amara. Well, I, uh, you know, this interview is really about, from two of my favorite people, um, on the planet and, and two of my favorite, you know, teammates here at Lifeline, Whitney White, who's been conducting these interviews that we've listened to over this month are, is, you know, part of our counseling team and, and does an excellent job of being able to come alongside families and, and help them process through and negotiate through, um, you know, helping their, their, their children find, you know, find healing and, and, and find, um, you know, a, a sense of stability um, as as they're coming from trauma. Anmar Hinton is um, is an educator. She um, she holds a degree in special education. She's she's been in uh, in schools as a teacher in you know in that environment, um, but also has um, devoted a good bit of her life to um, to what we would loosely call educational therapy. And 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 really, you know, Anmara and I share a conviction that. Um, with a lot of us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? God, God designed us in ways that, that quite honestly, we don't, we don't understand the full depth of the wonder that we've been created with at times. And I think one of the things that we've come to understand over the last several years is, is how much ability um, God has given us to, 
to really be able to rewire our brains to to like really be able to change our our thinking and our and our cognitive capacity and that and that where once we thought that that there were certain things that were kind of fixed and invariant and and unable to be changed about the way we think and about the way we process things cognitively we know now today that that there really is is much more flexibility and that God has, you know, kind of created this, a uh, uh, beautiful ability to be able to heal. And so in this interview today, Ann Mar is just going to talk about some things that we continue to experience and some things that we've continued to learn over the last year about cognitive processing and about the way that our kids think and about things that we can do in order to, to support their thinking. Uh, but, but also things that we can do just to, to help their, um, you know, really kind of help their intellectual journey. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to us delving into this interview and, and, and really learning some things um, through uh, the first year or, or through this, this year of COVID and what we've learned uh, about helping our children to achieve educationally and to, to learn to think critically. Hey everybody, my name is Whitney White. I am the International Education Counselor at Lifeline. And so that means that I get the privilege of providing counseling to our adoptive families and also doing a lot of education related things. So when COVID descended upon us, then we started providing just some helpful resources to families as they were undergoing so much change and transition. But now that we are nearly a year into this change and transition and just continues to be ongoing. In a sense, we wanted to kind of revisit this topic and to provide some more resources because what we're seeing is families and children are really struggling still in some different ways, in some of the same ways. But as our team discussed, um, what we're seeing as patterns in the struggling families that we're serving, we just decided to come up with a couple of resources to just help those families and to provide just some relatable information to you. So one of the people that I really wanted to talk to was Anmar Hinton, because she has such a focus and such an emphasis on the academic things of the children that we serve and that realm of work. And so I know that many of you who are listening probably were able to can identify with the fact that school and academics have been a huge stressor for your family. So, Anmar, I'll let you introduce a little bit of who you are and what you do. Sure. Thanks, Whitney. So, my name is Anmar Hinton. I uh, direct uh, Bridge Educational Services, which is one of the branches of Lifeline. And um, so we, there's, we have multiple different ways in which we really want to uh, serve families who have children that may have some learning differences in some way. So our goal really is to help families move from a point of frustration that they may feel due to those learning differences to a place of hope, which we know that God offers. And so, um, so we do that in a variety of different ways and uh, just love, you know, seeing that spark that, that, that happens not only in children's lives, but also in families' lives when they feel equipped and empowered and shepherded in a way to help that the, they know that they can help their kids, you know, to learn and how they learn. And so I get the privilege of doing that um, every day. And it's, it's just a, it's a wonderful gift that God has given us and given me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are grateful for you and grateful for this 
gifts, um, the gifts that you have and just the perspective in which you're able to approach our, our families. So Amara, what would you say just over the last year, what have you seen? And this is going to be like a very (laughs) simplified question um, with probably a tremendously large answer and response. But what have you seen as just some of the challenges um, of our children that we serve academically, specifically? So what are some just academic challenges that you have seen? And then what are you seeing currently that continues to be ongoing? Yeah, so you know, I mean, um, one of the one of the big ongoing challenges that I've noticed, and 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 then some of our t- our tutors have seen too, is just that sense of consistency. I mean, we know that to stretch our brain, to to build our brain, to strengthen our brain, takes a lot of consistency and and work. And so when that that thread is broken then we begin to see those gaps occur and get wider and and, and bigger. And so because of the lack of consistency, and and that's nobody's fault, it's just where our world has been this past year, um, we've had to learn how to readapt and to, to redo things differently. And so I do think an ongoing challenge for everyone, for the students, for the teachers, for administrators, for schools, has been that lack of um of consistency and so and that is not a word that comes to mind when i think about 2020 and the beginning of 2021 consistency or predictability are not words that you just don't know yeah and so because of that that's a challenge right so that and going into that and then you know then we we have that um unfortunately we have that lack because of technology and that's a whole nother discussion right the I mean we are using technology and the studies into technology and what technology is doing to our brain we're thankful for technology in a time like this but what is it doing to our brains and what is it doing to that student teacher relationship so yeah it's great I'm so thankful and and we were we, we like to say in in the bridge world we were doing zoom before zoom became popular you know and we right. but that's, you know that one-on-one connection is so important but you have a, a class of 25 you know on a on a screen <laughs> that's going to be a challenge in learning how to not be hands-on I mean I don't know about you Whitney but you probably already have figured this out about me that, I mean, if you could see me, I would be moving all over the room right. right now to talk because I like to move and talk. And um, and that's not happening <laughs> for a teacher that has to look at a camera. Um, and then kids that have to sit and look at a camera. So we talk about those attention, those attention issues and those focus issues that kids may have. Um, so I'd say that's an ongoing challenge. You'd struggle for me and i feel like a lot of us as adults or as parents can relate to the fact that it's really a challenge and it is hard if this is difficult for a well-adjusted adult how much more challenging is it for our kids and then as specifically our children who are coming from a compromised with a compromised beginning of life i mean we just can't expect them to be thriving in this world that we're living in Right. Yeah, yeah. So that definitely, I would say, oh, and then, then, then we can add the academic gaps on. You know, of you know what what's going on. Uh, you know, there's something to say about being able to have that relationship, that that you know, that student teacher relationship, that one on one, that those hands on opportunities. And there's so much that as a teacher is just very intuitive based on being able to talk to and 
and and uh, be in relationship with those students in person. And so being able to even touch them on the back, you know, and just say, hey, good job. Um, you know, being able to use their names. I mean, we can do that on a computer, but it's different. It's different when it's not in person. And even if you are in school, there is maybe that social distance, uh, you know, that has to occur and different things like that. Or they're coming two days and they're not being here the other two days or, you know, whatever your your school or state has has mandated. And so, you know, that's definitely going to create a challenge, you know, for our families, um, you know, as well. And there's just milestones that as teachers we try to we want to reach and we're expected to reach to be honest with you and we're wanting to and um, and and that's difficult if we can't we can't see what's going on you know on, on the other side of the of the, the computer so um, so it does require the challenge for parents I think we've got a lot of working parents out there and um, and so there's that challenge on top of they're trying to do school while their other three siblings are trying to do school and mom and dad are trying to keep a full-time job. So, you know, that, that, that challenge of, uh, of navigating that it can be very hard and you and things are going to fall through the cracks. Things are going to get missed. And, and so we just have to admit that's going to happen and we know that's going to happen. I was telling, I was just mentioning this to you earlier. And now that we know that those are challenges, now what can we do to move forward? You know, it would be, you know, what I would say. Um, it, um, it's, such, it's such a balancing act. And initially it's kind of like everybody was figuring out what is this going to look like? How do we do this? How do we do school from home? How do I work from home? How do I do all of this? And then that element of like continuing to try to maintain that balancing act. Of course, we're fatigued. Of course, we're stressed. Of course, we're tired because this just is ongoing and um, there isn't a clear end in sight. And then I think one of the largest challenges for parents and for kids is probably just in school is the largest piece of this, the change. Because Mm -hmm. even it's like, okay, well, you're going to be doing school at home. Nope, you're going to be doing school at school at school, like actually in person. And then actually, nope, you're now um, are, you've been traced back to a case. So for the next two weeks, you're going to be at home. And so that is exhausting, that Mm -hmm. amount of change. And Mm -hmm. our kids who already struggle with anxiety, I mean, their anxiety is skyrocketing because they just don't have that fundamental predictability and feelings of their world being safe. Yeah, yeah. And that sense of security, you know, of knowing what's going to happen and just, you know, and going and thinking and and it's good. It's great that we get this opportunity. I I do want to always, you know, kind of go, okay, there is hope here. Where's the hope? You know, we want to move from frustration to hope. We want to move from being insecure to secure. And so and are unsafe to safe. And so just trying to find those little glimpses of glory along the way and being able to say, okay, you know, what has, how has this, um, what is this doing? And, and like one thing I do think that it is, it's, it's helping us to see what it means to teach kids to be resilient, to, uh, to you know, to what, what it means to have grit, you know, and, and how to find that and, and also just give it that language, giving that language to the kids, but also to the parents too, you know, and I think about your role as a counselor, you know, those are, I mean, those are the conversations you're having, you know, of how do we create safety in an unsafe world, 
you yeah. know, and how do we, and, and because we're not in a, we're, we're not, and we're in a broken world. I mean, that's <laughs> even, even before COVID, we were in a broken world. But so there is that opportunity, I think, to take what uh, is broken and move it towards hope um, in, in that as well, too, because schools are slowly opening up and, and uh, again, that's going to be another transitional piece, you know, and figuring out where kids are, what they what they did retain and what they didn't. I, I, I was talking to a school the other day and they're getting ready to do standardized tests. I was like, oh, standardized test, you know. Right. <laughs> yes. So anyway, but yes, uh, yeah, I totally I mean, yeah, you're right. Change. Te- how how do we teach change yeah. and, in a, in a, as a positive thing? Um yeah. You mentioned you mentioned just kind of like looking at where we've been and kind of where we're coming from and then trying to figure out where do we go now. In your professional opinion, what suggestions or ideas, even if a parent is listening and they're not able to um, really have control over what their school system dictates and all of that, what can they do personally that might help their children academically? Yeah, you know, I, I would say one of the, the verses, to be honest with you, that I've kind of latched on through this whole thing is James 1, 4, where it says, and let the steadfastness take its full effect. And just what does it mean to be patient with the process and be patient with yourself? I mean, we I think we because of the change, we also put that those expectations upon ourselves. And when we can't Feel like we're not able to meet our kids needs then then we start feeling that stress and anxiety and we feel that lack of security and safety as well too and so that's going to come out you know in how we how, how our kids hear what they hear and and what we say and different things so i, I really try to encourage parents to to really just think in lines of not so much what we not so much what we need to do, but who we are, believing in who we are and who we've been created to be. You at this moment have been created to be your child's parent. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think actually I got this quote out of Herbie's book, The Image Bearers, and he, you know, he says. Let me read it. It says, Jesus didn't touch every person on earth physically, but he still did everything he was appointed to do. And so in a way, I feel like that's our responsibility right now as parents is to be your child's parent, you know. And um, now within that, I do definitely suggest I love the idea of play. This is a great opportunity to just pull back relax for a minute, take those 10 deep breaths, wow. pray a prayer, and then, and, and then play, get dirty, <laughs> you wow. know, and it doesn't mean, I mean, you can even do that with your older children, you know, just taking a chance to play. Now, I'm going to also promote, because, you know, I love that motor development and what that does for the brain, and of course, I'm going to have to bring the science into it a little bit, and, <laughs> and that connect that that brain, brain. Here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, I do believe, like, play with movement is is important you know especially since our kids are sitting at a computer a good amount of time a day so you know really incorporating time in your day even if it's just five minutes just to play and um 
And then, you know, that's going to make a difference in that building of that brain and that stretching in that brain. And, the- and it's going to end in such an anxiety provoking world and situation. Mm-hmm. Nothing makes our children feel safer than play. And so, yes, I feel like as as far as like the number one gift that we can offer to our kids at this time is really focusing on playing and mm-hmm. interacting. And it might be that there's, you know, another quote is that physical proximity does not equal emotional presence. And so it might be that there's way more physical proximity. I mean, it might be that you're all functioning in your same house at one time, but that doesn't mean that we're actually meeting those emotional needs of our kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I do get a lot sometimes, you know, folks say, well, what does that look like for a 15 year old or a 16 year old? And, you know, Hey, I have really been, I mean, I think they are really wanting that relationship as well. They may be pulling back, but are appearing to pull back. But if you bring out an Uno game, I mean, if you bring out, you know, Spot It, which everybody thinks, you know, lots of people know what Spot It is, but I can get my 19 year old, I mean, in a Spot It game, even again, even if it's only because he's highly competitive. But I mean, even if it's only for a few minutes, uh, I do. It was funny when I did bring Spotted out at some point and at the very beginning we were, you know, playing in it, different things. And he looked at me and he was like, mom, I, I, I've got to figure out how this game works. You know, he spent like 30 minutes just figure out how the al- algorithm, but yeah. I was like, okay, we're doing math guys. I mean, this is, this is not, this is an experiment he's thinking. And that, that leads me to the next, the next like suggestion is don't be afraid to challenge your kids with questions that you don't know the answers to. Mm. I have no idea how spot it works, but you know, the fact that he was trying to figure that out, I wanted him to be able to think. So really looking for ways to teach him to allow him to think. Um, and also allowing him to make mistakes and get it wrong. You know, uh, that's that's probably something I struggle with is I, I want to, you know, I think I can fix it or I want to make it perfect. But um, but that's also building into that change that we talked about earlier, you know, is yeah. that it's okay to make mistakes because uh, that is the thinking process. That's building that brain. And that's going to impact your academics. <laughs> that's going to impact how you approach things in school when we do get to them, <laughs> you know, knowing how to ask questions. So don't be afraid to ask your kids questions that you don't know the answer to. <laughs> that's great. That's good practical advice. Yeah. I yeah. I also thought that you might be a good person to just speak into you from the perspective of our teachers or our like academic leadership and principles, just because this is such a part of your professional and personal world. Um, I was just wondering if you had any insight just about kind of your husband's profession. What's that been like for him? What's it been like for the teachers that you work with? Um, How can we maybe support them as again, this is just an ongoing struggle? Yeah, you know, they, I do. uh, Yeah, my husband is, you know, in administration at, at a private school and and it, it has, you know, definitely been filled with many, many challenges. Yeah. The one thing that I would definitely say that has been so good for him, for the school, is just the community support. And that's so important, even if it's a text or a or an email that says, hey, we're praying for you. We know this is hard. We know that, you know, you can't make everybody happy. And we know that everybody has different opinions. We know you want to honor that. 
and just what that looks like for him. And then also just as he has, that's filtered down to his staff through his executive staff has just been a, a blessing, you know, for him uh, in the midst of all of this, because there are decisions that, that have to be made. Um, you know, he does have a, a medical board that's given him advice and sometimes they've taken that advice and sometimes they haven't. It's just really that, um, that um that that mindset that everything has been thought through you know it's not that he just makes a rash decision i mean everything has been thought through now what it looks like for his teachers i mean they are amazing you know they have really um just stepped up we've asked them to step up and i'd say that's for teachers all over the world we've asked them to step out of a comfort zone the way they've been taught to do something the way they've done something for 20 30 years and do something totally different and so in supporting them is definitely praying for your teachers but also just sending them a little message that says well done you're 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 thank you you know because they are they're maybe giving up their family time or also uh, maybe even giving up time that they need to be working with their their children, their own children. And so really just letting them know that they are appreciated for what for what they're doing. Um, they are definitely I consider some of those first responders because they're yeah. they're responding to the, the need of our, our, our children that uh, that are are definitely in need and of course I, I work from a special ed special ed background right. so I also know of uh, the the need for serving our kids that have IEPs and that are more developmentally delayed and uh, and have issues there and so they're they're doing um, I've sat in many zoom IEP meetings and um, just listening to the hearts that are that they're that they're really working hard to to meet those needs they don't always get those needs met unfortunately um, and but they're do, they're they're doing the best they can and so yes it's been difficult uh, but just really praying for for that and for those for those folks and, and working through that and be just amazing. And even just letting them know. We one one very practical, if you do have a relationship, is I, I don't know about you, but I have learned to love this thing called DoorDash. I mean, or whatever yes. it is. It so, it. <laughs> it's been great just to be able to click on an app. Here's that technology again, and send a meal to a teacher, you know, and just say, Hey, thinking about you, no, you didn't have time to do dinner. Here it is. And um, and I, I can tell you from our, our perspective as a family that is in the school system and, and within schools, that's been a blessing <laughs> to know that I don't have to think about dinner, you know, uh, that night and that it arrives at my doorstep. So <laughs> I know yes. that's very practical, but that is a way that you can serve your teachers. Yeah. What a gift that would be. Well, is there anything else that you want to leave us with? Any other advice or um, challenges that you've seen? Yeah, yeah, well, beneficial for our families. You know, I just think I, I'm just really, um, I'm just really drawn to families that are really just trying again. You know, I just really, I know that I know we're trying, and I know that um, again, I just come back to being patient with the process and really diving into the word and being refreshed, rejuvenated, renewed by what God tells us and he promises us his promises in scripture. And so I feel like that is what is going to create that balance 
um, between expectation and and where we are right now. Right. And so um, so really, you know, um, I'm not denying that we're in a, a dark place or that we I mean, oh, goodness, you know, have definitely have those struggles. But just coming back to the word, coming back to prayer and really surrounding yourself with a body of believers that um, that will just I, I, I have an, I have a group that I will say, hey, I'm having a bad day. Please pray for me. And I know that they will stop and pray. And um, and so just the beauty and seeing that and then also looking for those glimpses, I think glimpses of glory. I heard one time I know that um, that is it comes from a book. I can't remember which one, but uh, but I know just looking for those glimpses of hope. Yeah. is what's going to help move and, and stretch us to see the hope that is in the midst of the brokenness. So that that's my go-to. I, I'm trying. I'm not always great at that. <laughs> but I do know I have this around. I love the Aaron, her picture, you know, where you've got Aaron and her standing on the side of Moses holding those arms up. And, and boy, this has been a year that we have needed our people holding our hands. They may be holding from a distance social distance, (laughs) but they're holding those arms up. And I have felt that um, myself. And I just pray that for our families as well, too. Yeah, that's a great, great visual, great perspective. Well, thank you so much for your time and your expertise and for sharing with us. Yeah, very grateful. Well, this has been fun. And I know you you have done a, a, a great job. And I know that I would love just to hear from your perspective what you hear sometimes too so i'm looking forward to what's next (laughs) absolutely absolutely we'll be sharing that more so really appreciate it mr keep up the good work right thanks whitney for you bye-bye bye dr rick as you know we're both so abundantly grateful for amara and for whitney and you know i i think back to a call that was made in 2018 from the back of an Uber in Colombia, the country, <laughs> Colombia, Bogota, Colombia. And Mara had just reached out to my sweet wife, Ashley, and Mara had been able to help with our kids and some, just some challenges we were having educationally with our kids. And wow, what, what, what a great prophetic moment to know that we not only needed to bring this ministry on for that moment, but for the moment that we have experienced over the last year, as so many families were homeschooling, as so many families, even in, even not in the homeschooling environment, probably took a much more front seat row, row view of their child and their child's education. Uh, you know, for Ashley and I, obviously we homeschool. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, things weren't too different. Uh, our kids do go to co-ops, so their co-ops weren't in person. They were digital, but, but we'd already really decided to take that extremely active role in their education. But I know for you, I know your kids had to come home and they had to get all of their education for their junior year uh, on online. And, and they really struggled with that. How, how has Bridge and even what you know in education, how was that a help? Because really you and Denise, your wife, both have a background in special education, both have backgrounds in education. But what were some of the challenges even you guys faced? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, Ann Mara put it really well in, in the interview earlier when, when she talked about kind of our reason for bridge. And it's, it's that idea of move, moving from frustration to hope. Um, and, and I think just being, you know, really transparent, Herbie, is the, the, the educational journey 
for a lot of us with our kids through COVID has been a frustrating journey. Um, it, it's been difficult. We've, um, you know, we've counted on services and opportunities and things that, um, that are helpful for our kids that are inaccessible, you know, during this time. I think we, um, you know, th- there's a, there's a, there's kind of an overall frustration of feeling like at times that we're just not able to do all that we should or all that we could, um, in order to help our kids to, you know, to be able to learn. One of the, one of the funny things for us as a family, I think as, as the longer that COVID has drawn on, uh, or gone on, I think we have, like our kids have really settled in from a, from a perspective there, our, our boys are achieving better academically than they, than they probably have in the traditional classroom. And, and so there have been some wins along the way in, in their ability, our, our son, Eric, who, um, you know, struggles a little bit with attention and, and focus and the things that he's studying in school are not sometimes that intuitive to him. Um, one of the things that we saw in him, and I, I hope he doesn't mind me telling this about him, but I think, I, but I'm incredibly proud of him. Um, he really leveraged the the environment that he was in in order to create a learning environment that was suitable for himself. And what I, what I mean by that is, um, he he realized that that he worked better if he could focus for ten or fifteen minutes on something and then kind of move away and do something else and and you know kind of be distracted and to get his mind off of what he was focusing on, and 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 he'd never really been able to learn that way in the past because, because that didn't fit within the school system. When he was being more of a self-directed learner, he was able to really kind of pace the rhythm of his day so that, so that he could, he could function in a way that really, you know, met with his own attention span and met with his own, you know, kind of his own rhythm. And, and what we've seen is that really his performance academically has gone through the roof. Um, and, and so I think that the challenge was in the beginning, trying to figure out how to, how to help our kids find, you know, find that rhythm. And, and maybe that's the difference in some cases between, um, you know, being a homeschool parent that settles into this and does this for always versus those of us that have done it for a season during COVID is that, that you doing that consistently, you know, you, you probably figure, you know, a little more of that out, um, but but part of what I what I love about what we're able to do through Bridge and, and what the the cognitive fitness sort of program that, that we that we're able to put together through Bridge, I think part of what I what I love about that is um, is that it helps kids to be engaged in a multi-sensory sort of way. It helps them to engage things that that and parts of their brain that sometimes really aren't very stimulated in in a traditional you know, kind of academic environment and, and that we're, that what we're doing is, is we're essentially taking the capacities that they do have and the things that they're really adept in and helping to, helping to use those things and leverage them to help them to, to grow and to build capacities in areas where, you know, where they, where they lack. And man, we've done that for years in, in thinking about physical fitness, right? Like, you don't, you don't go to the gym and work on the muscles that are already strong and focus only on those and leave, right? You, if you're going to be fit, you go in and, and, and you don't ignore the things that you, that you're already strong in, but you, 
but you, but you spend a lot more effort on trying to bring those things that you're deficient in, you know, kind of up to, up to a place of standard. And, and, and I know, you know, that's a metaphor that, you know, that you understand well. And I think really a lot of what we're doing is just taking those strengths that kids have and, and trying to use them to leverage building exercises that help them, you know, grow in areas where they, you know, where they have deficits. Um, yeah. And I think, I think something that's so important, even, not just in a COVID year, but for us to think about our kids in any year is, and we've seen that, you know, I, I learned terms and words in homeschooling that, that I really never had thought about <laughs> needing or wanting, you know, but we do, we have a child that's an auditory learner. If they hear it, they remember it. And right. I think even looking at that, I realized that's the kind of learner I am, you know, uh, it, and, and sometimes an auditory learner, they, they come across as really smart and brilliant, but they can be dangerous because I remember in school, you know, I, I could hear it and pass the test with flying colors. Just if I heard it one time, um, it doesn't, it, it didn't mean I necessarily had mastered the subject. It meant I could regurgitate what I had heard. Mm -hmm. And then we've got some kids that are, are much more tactile learners. They've got to feel it. They've got to touch it. Uh, they've got to see it. Uh, and they need that. That's, that's so important. Like the concept doesn't lodge into their mind until they felt it and touched it. And then some of our kids are like, I know one of, one of our kids, he, he just has to learn by, by digging in, mm -hmm. finding it out for himself. Um, so he reads, uh, you know, even in his co-ops, he gets, he gets bored because he learned it from the book. And so he's, he, he digs in, he, he reads, he's much more likely to, to learn that way. And, and I think what we realize is our school system, and this is not to not public or private education or group education, but for the most part, it's really more it's, it's, it's more designed for those auditory learners, for those that hear it, know it, can regurgitate it. And so for our tactile learners, which actually a lot of kids that come from a trauma-informed background tend to be more tactile. They need to, they need to feel it. They need to see it. They need to, to know it. They struggle sometime in more formal education. And I, that's one of the things I've loved about Bridge is that we're helping families not just be able to get the tutoring they need or the help they need for their kids, but helping them also learn that, hey, just because my kid is struggling with formal education doesn't mean that there's not an intelligence there or doesn't mean that they can't learn. It just means that they may learn in a different way. And so I, 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 just, I just love that. And I know certainly Dr. Rick, and we call you Dr. Rick because you've got a doctorate uh, in <laughs> education and youth ministry, but like help, help us understand briefly before we close here, why it's so important to know what type of learner your kids are. Yeah, I, I think ultimately it's it's because, you know, different learning styles, it's almost like speaking in a different language. Um, and, and so what we're doing many times is we're translating those things that are difficult to learn into into an easier way for, you know, for us to to sort of be exposed to them by the by the the form we, you know, we place things in. And so, you know, for instance, like you talk about being an auditory learner and and so for a lot of folks that are auditory learners, like, you know, books like audible and things like that. And, and having, you know, having audible books is a, is a, you know, huge gift. Um, I'll be honest with you. If I had to, if I had to rely on um, audible books, I would like, I, I couldn't do it. Like I, I need to see the printed word and, and a little more of a visual learner in that way. And, and, and that's a, you know, that's a, 
you know, kind of a, a piece of the equation. And I think the more we understand about ourselves, the more we understand about our kids and about how they're wired. And it really does kind of help us to, you know, to contextualize things into, into a, a, a good form. One, one other thing I wanted to, I want to point out, Amara talks about one of the things that she sort of pointed out in, um, in this, you know, in this interview, and, and she, she actually quotes one of her favorite authors, you may have heard of him, his name is Herbie Newell, um, and, and he pointed out in, and you said this in Image Bearers about, you know, just making the point that Jesus didn't touch every person on earth physically, right? Like Jesus, Jesus didn't come and, and meet every need, he didn't, he didn't fill every mouth, he didn't, um, you know, he, he ultimately, but what he did is he perfectly did everything that, that the, that the Lord had appointed him to do. Like he did everything that the father had given him to do. And so he didn't do everything, but he did everything that was his to do. Um, and, and I love that just kind of that understanding and that, that metaphor when it comes to thinking about being our kids' parents during this pandemic, mm-hmm. we, we've been called in to be in their teacher and we've been called in to be in their disciplinarian. And we've been called in to be in, you know, their, their, their counselor and like all of these different roles of things that we find ourselves doing. Um, some of which are things that, you know, kind of have been shared among other people, like, you know, some of the schooling part, um, so one of the, one of the reminders that I just I just want to emphasize there is um, like let's don't forget in the midst of all the extra things that we're being called upon to do right now because of the pandemic to let's don't fail to do the things that we know that we've been called to do um, and and to be their parent and you know and so even Ann Mar said in you know in this about like play like, we need to play with our kids. We need to, you know, we need to engage with them. We need to, you know, we need to, to just be present with them and not hide behind, um, you know, phones and, and computers and all the things that are, you know, that are, that are so real and so in our face right now. And, 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 and why? Because, because at the end of the day, of all of these temporary roles that we may be having to step into and some things that we may be having to have more involvement with, um, there's nobody coming to rush in to fill that role <laughs> and there's no, and there's no backup. Um, and, and so, and I just, you know, I, I appreciate, um, and, and I'll say, you know, publicly as, as friend to friend, but watching you as a dad, um, in, in the way that, you know, you're parenting your kids through COVID to not forget that and, and to remember to, you know, be present and be playful and, and do the things that are, you know, that are, that are really necessary to fulfill that role and not to be overwhelmed with all the stuff that you don't know what to do or how to do it. And, uh, and so just incredibly thankful for that reminder. Well, certainly love the wisdom that we always get from, Whitney and Amara, and I hope that you have enjoyed these last several weeks as much as we have, getting to hear from these people, but also getting to look back. I think it's so important when we go through hard things, not just to be glad that we got through it, but to look back to see how we've grown, to see what we've learned. I know even with our team and our staff, we've so we've gone back through to say, what have we learned? Uh, what do we want to keep? And what do we hope we never do again? And so I hope this has been a great exercise, even for you as you look forward or how you can advocate for kids, how you can care for those kids in your home, and how you can ultimately be praying for adopted and foster families as they seek to take the gospel hope to their children. 
Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.